Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendica. And here with me today, we have a great special guest. I teased it last week, and we were able to land the big fish. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome Jay Granetich, a video scouts at Sports Info Solutions. Jay, welcome to the show, my man. Rob, that was, that was quite the intro. I don't know if I'd go with Big Fish, but I'll take the compliment. Yeah, no, man, for sure. Listen, any guest on this show is a Big Fish, all right? That's the first thing you got to realize about me is that not just anybody gets on this show, but um, I am extremely happy to have you on. You have been extremely flexible with your time uh, and some of my chaos that I've had going on. So could not be more excited to have you on um, for our listeners um, you know, we do a lot of basketball talk. We talk a lot about the Pistons. You know, we talk a lot about LeBron James because that's my co-host Mike's favorite guy, you know, and what's going on there. And it seems like the whole NBA universe kind of revolves around 23 right now. So, um, but, you know, Jay, let's just get into it first, you know, just a quick intro, you know, tell us about yourself and, and your history here in, in scouting and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to make what is a very long story uh, to how I got where I am pretty short. So yeah. I, uh, I did my undergrad at, at Michigan State. Don't okay. hold that against me. No, that's cool. Um, but uh, start started off there, and uh, I was a student manager for the women's team there for three years. So okay. um, their day-to-day at practice, really where I first got into studying and breaking down film, um, more on the – uh, scouting for opponents side than necessarily mm-hmm. scouting for players, but every film session worked with our video coordinator closely and, and kind of, kind of got my background that way. And after yeah. I graduated, I knew I wanted to, to work in basketball. Um, I went out to, to Las Vegas for four months to work at a place called impact basketball. It's a, it's a training facility. Okay. Um, and that was all just on court, a uh, combination of pre-draft guys and, um, and pros, pros mm-hmm. coming in and out, but like, you know, that we, we had DeMarcus Cousins was probably our biggest guy. Him and Kyle okay. Lowry were training for the Olympics that year. So they were out there with us a lot, trying to stay in shape and, um, you know, right. get ready for that team. So I was out there for four months, came home, didn't have a job, was applying for GA positions and internships in the NBA and G League. Um, couldn't right. really find anything. Ended up going to a workout at Oakland University, which was only about 20, 25 minutes from where I live. Yeah. Um, knew some people on staff, knew some of the coaches because I worked some camps and whatnot. And then uh, started talking to their video coordinator and they had this like free unpaid video internship that they were trying to fill. Mm-hmm. Um Ended up interviewing for it, got it. So worked there for a year, uh, just grinding through tape. Um, And then after the year, he actually took a different job. So they bumped me up from like a video intern to the video coordinator position. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It was fortunate. I mean, Mm -hmm. the guy who hired me, Alex Varlin, uh, unbelievable guy. Loved Mm -hmm. working for him. We we shared an office, good friends to this day. And, um, you know, was it was a good move for him. He, he yeah. He's from Tennessee, ended up going back, and he's now the video coordinator uh, for the women's team at Tennessee. They're, they're always good. Right. He's from yeah. Knoxville. It's a great, great situation for him. But got fortunate, so got bumped up. Um, did mm-hmm. that for two years, and that position, you're on the bench. So got to go to some really cool places. Got to go to Kansas and Syracuse and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of experienced that a little bit. But I knew I always wanted to, to get in the NBA and – I'd, I'd go to events like Summer League and um, the Portsmouth Invitational, which is kind of like the Senior Bowl right. uh, for basketball, and, and started really building my network out in the NBA. And mm-hmm. I always tried to get in, had a few bites, was never really able to 
to get something. And then in uh, summer of 2019, I, um, I ended up getting hired by, it was a hybrid role. It was with the, the Pistons and the Grand Rapids Drive. They're at the mm-hmm. time G League affiliates. So uh, I got hired as their uh, director of operations. So uh, spent the year out in Grand Rapids with the team, traveled, did the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, was on the court during practice, was scouting for, for players off. It was, was quite the role, got to do a lot. Right. Um, was supposed to come back and start working out of, our, out of our Detroit offices once the season ended. Of course, it got cut short due to COVID. Right. Um, right. I stayed on with the team um, through the draft pretty much. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, we knew that our G League affiliate wasn't going to uh, play in the bubble. Teams had the right. option this year of opting in or out. Right. For a, a lot of reasons, it, it just made sense for Grand Rapids not to play, which unfortunately meant a lot of people, including myself, associated with Grand Rapids got let go. Right. Um, then a month after that, uh, Sports Info Solutions, their uh, analytics-based company, um, mm-hmm. I had a friend there who – I know pretty well. He reached out to me, said they had a position open, um, and I jumped into that. And basically right now I'm just watching players every day and kind of collecting data uh, Mm -hmm. towards this upcoming 2021 draft. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the big reason why, Jay, that I'm I'm thankful to have you on this show today because we're, you know, we talk so much about the draft process. And and if you're a fan of this show at all, you know that, you know, Mike and myself, we do a lot of pre-draft coverage, mostly on the NFL, but on the Pistons as well. Uh, you know, it's always fun to talk hypotheticals. It's fun to talk about the what ifs and the players you like and the players you don't like, but um, you know, since you're, you're in it, right. You're in the grind day in and day out, you're watching tape, you're breaking it down. Um, you know, is there a, is there something that either sticks in your craw or gets something to where like when you're watching tape or you see, or you talking to your buddies and they go, Oh, I love, I love this guy. And you're just like, I know why you like him, but in reality, it's not a big of a piece. Is there something that is a big misconception um, when it comes to evaluating players? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things. I think one is like, if you're not in it and watching the film as much as other people, a lot of people probably go on like box score data. And like, while it matters, I mean, guys can't, you know, they got to score a bit. They got to be productive while they're on the court. I think when you really dive into it, you get a sense for how much they impact winning. And that doesn't always show up in the box score. Mm -hmm. Um, For a variety of reasons, it could just be their role with the team. It could be their team around them. There's a whole bunch of things that lead to that. But but I think like the big misconception is that it's always like you're going for the high score or Mm -hmm. things like that. You know, you're going for, quote unquote, the sexy player when in like Mm -hmm. in reality, chances are like if you're not picking in the top. Depends on the year, right. uh, two, three, four, five. You're you're probably just looking for someone who's going to be a role player, right. and so you're going to be looking at different things. It may not be the best scorer, it may not mm-hmm. be the best guy who blocks shots, but there's normally something about him that makes you think he can fit into your team and kind of play a role towards winning. Not necessarily be the guy, but be a right. piece of the puzzle. Well, and that's a big thing too, right? I think we do get, you know, infatuated, especially in the NBA where unlike the NFL and, you know, and others, the NBA is, is a weird hybrid because in the NFL, right? If you're a first round pick, you're or first or even second round pick, you're expected to contribute right away, right? You're, you're supposed to be a starter more than likely. You're supposed to be playing meaningful snaps, meaningful playing time in the NBA. It's if you're probably not a top three, four, five pick, you're probably not going to see major minutes because, you know, the lottery is where it's at and everything 
else. So you may not be expected to come in and transform a franchise, right? As if you were a first three pick and then you go to baseball, you don't see those guys for four years, right? Hockey, same thing. We don't see those guys for years before they finally make it to the club. So um, I do think we get, you know, a little bit infatuated with just the first couple picks. And then like from the Pistons perspective, right. You know, they had picked seven last year. You were like, okay, wh- where does this fit? Right. Clearly he's going to play, but you know how much, right. And I think sometimes fans get overjoyed. Oh, that's our new starter. Right. Immediately. In reality, that may not be the case. Talk to me a little about how, you know, I know you don't probably don't have like, you're not obviously the GM or like that, but from a, from an, you know, from your perspective, right. From a scout's perspective, is there an, is there a mandate where you're like, listen, I'm going to look at these guys, but I know here's what their ceiling is, right. They are the sixth man off the bench or they're, you know, they're just a rotational guy who just gives me effort more than anything else. Right. Is there, is there a mandate or anything like that, that you have to like put these guys in categories where you're like, all right, obviously blue chip. And then after that, it's just kind of blah or, or how do you guys kind of break that down? I'd say generally it's tiers. Okay. So you, you can do your one through 60 or a hundred mm-hmm. ranking, but like, you know, there's not always that big of a difference between pick, I don't know, 35 and 55. Sometimes right. a lot of it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. So, right. You know, I'll just use this this last class, for example. I think everybody knew, like, tier one pretty much consisted of three guys, right. and they ended up going top three. Yeah. Whereas, like, tier two, you know, it was really from, like, four to 12, and right. it just kind of depended on who liked who. And, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Tyrese Halliburton went 12. I think if yep. he went four, like, people wouldn't have been all right. that surprised. I Absolutely. Think, you know, so it's – I think part of it is just you, you group guys into tiers and whether that's ceiling, you're trying to project that. And like mm-hmm. you do to the best of your ability, it's, it's an inexact science. I mean, like the obvious right. example is like Giannis went 15 and he's a two-time MVP. So like, right. Right. you know, it's hard and, and you're not always going to be right, but yeah, mm-hmm. you try to kind of break guys, I feel like into tiers. And then when you're on the clock, it's more like, who do we like that's on the board and that's in this tier, you know, you don't want to reach, Right. Uh, especially in the first round, if you're in the second round, I think it's more, you just want someone who's a fit both mm-hmm. on and off the court. You're not as worried about right. some of the other things. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I think it's more that where guys kind of get grouped into potential selection spot, it's going to vary a little bit team by team, but for the most part, mm-hmm. um, especially within the top 20 to 25 ish, like guys are all going to kind of be in the same tier. And then it just comes down to what teams value and what they're looking for. Right. Positional value and such things. Right. For sure. Um, you spoke really about, you know, you're breaking down tape and you're, you're doing analytics, right. It's a, it's a, it's a sexy word to say the word analytics, right? Like, Oh, we, you know, the Pistons are implementing more analytics this, you know, under this regime, under that one or whatever, but talk to me a little bit about how, what analytics have done to kind of change the way we scout players, right? Because it's such a broad term. Is there something that maybe, you know, before we wouldn't look at that we're looking at now because we have, you know, the tools and technology available to us. Yeah, I think really what it is, is it's another piece to the puzzle. Um, You know, some teams are going to value it more than other teams. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think what it allows you to do is like go beyond the box score uh, a little bit more. Whereas Mm -hmm. like an example would be, you know, overall rebounds. It, it, yeah, I mean, if a guy gets a lot of rebounds, you can probably guess that he's he is an active player. You know, he's right. doing a lot of stuff out there. I think looking more at like rebound percentage 
like when they're on the court kind of just gives a little bit better of an idea. So, you Mm -hmm. know, if the guy's grabbing a bunch of rebounds, but it's, he has a little rebound percentage. It's like, maybe they just fall to him. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) maybe maybe there's something else going on. He's actually, so, so I think things like that, it kind of allows you to like look at things in a bit of a different light. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I think every team values it higher, lower, um, but, but at least me personally, I, I kind of see it as more a piece to the puzzle mm-hmm. um, as opposed to an end all be all. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. It's got, you know, there, there's gotta be the gut feeling too, which kind of leads me to my next question, right. You know, how, you know, how hard is it, or, you know, what is that balance between the, I'm going to call it the old school way of thinking, mm-hmm. right. Where you, you just, you know, a scout goes to, a, you know, watches a player on mm-hmm. tape and go, yep, that's my guy. And you just roll with it. Right. And as long as, you know, they're not, you know, yeah. crazy or something like that, but, you know, and now you put, and now you add in, you know, what you guys do and you bring in, you're like, yeah, he's, yeah, his stat line maybe looks okay. Right. But let, let's really take a little deeper dive here. Like his efficiency is not great. Right. Offensive mm-hmm. or defensive his plus minus is off, you know, how, you know, how hard is it to maintain that balance, especially with yourself too, right? Cause you're, you're both, right. You're just, you're like, I like this dude a lot, but maybe his numbers don't show it. You know, talk to me about that balance and how you guys kind of combat that to get an overall grade on player. Yeah. So in an overall grade, I think, I think there's like four major things that go into it. One of which is like your athletic makeup. So that'd be kind of your combine numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think by any means those are an end all be all, but like, good indicator tall and, t- tall and fast is better than short and fast you know right. what i mean like yeah. like that's that's just the reality of it um so so yeah i mean it, it, it can be a good indicator um so you have that you've got your analytics you've got your film and then you've got your personal piece which would be the background info if you interview a guy um kind of what's your yeah exactly so i think it's trying to find a balance um of those four things i, th- I think everybody waits them a little bit differently, uh, both personally and with an organization. Um, you know, I think, I think now it's a little easier to kind of get that balance. I think Mm -hmm. when analytics were really like the hot topic, I think a lot of people almost like felt like it was doing their job for them or that there was this impression that it's doing their job for them. And, you know, I I think you could, could get some backlash. I think it's probably at every level, not even just pros, but even in college now, like scouting analytics have, you know, become a big part of it. Coaches can get a little defensive if it's their scout and, you know, you're bringing up all these things that maybe they don't agree with, but, um, but I think, I think now like people are kind of more seeing like the value of it and um, kind of being a little bit more balanced again. I I think, I think there's some teams that probably definitely go way on the side. We're like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. But no, I mean, I, I think once it gets explained, now we have a little bit more like, past data to show that there's some validity to things. Right. Um, I, I think some of the older coaches, scouts, whoever it may be, are buying into it a little bit more. Yeah. Do you think that uh, with a coach's buy-in, right, that I think that people are finally starting to realize that it's more of a tool than a, than a disclaimer, right? You know, I think, yeah. um, do you think though that with with the whole puzzle piece right is there something that you feel like at the end of the day it's you know like is it going to become is it going to continue to become more and more part of the game or is it are you kind of like at its peak right like do you think that there's more to becoming from the analytics perspective because i can always use my eyes right and like as you mentioned the combine kind of in my opinion reaffirms what you think you see on tape right if you think he's fast Mm -hmm. in in game speed he's probably going to be fast you hope right when Mm -hmm. he runs his times and and does those sort of things but 
do you, do you see that this role, right, of, of breaking it down, you know, to literally a science at this point, growing even more with more technology? Or are you kind of like, this is, I think we're kind of, this is where we're at for a solid little bit here. No, I, th- I think it's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and with that being said, I don't know what's next in terms right. of it. For sure. I, yeah. I think the real, the, the thing that, you know, people always just try to figure out is we get all this data and, and in some ways it can be overwhelming because, mm-hmm. um, you know, your team's putting stuff out, companies are putting stuff out. Yep. If you're talking with agents, I'm sure they got their data and who knows where <laughs> they got it from and, yeah. and whatnot. And I think it's just really sifting through and seeing like, what do you value and what do you think translates? And, and there may mm-hmm. be things that do translate that some people are just like, look, I don't agree with, but I think that right. that's like that gut feeling part where it's kind of a combining them a little bit. Like you mm-hmm. gotta have the gut feeling. You want the data to back it up because you want a little bit of, you want a little bit of validity behind that feeling. Right. For sure. Um, but I do think it's finding a balance. I, I do think it's a, it's a world that's going to continue to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I think even, I think it's going to expand in every facet. It's in-game data uh, with free agents, with the drafts, college guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it'll just be a matter of like what sticks and and what people think translates. And I guess in 10 years, we'll figure out if any of that is actually true. Do you you think that teams, are better off kind of hopping on this bandwagon now. I, I I like to use the example not for basketball terms, but like the pist or the the Tigers, right? The Tigers, you know, before you know after they kind of went through their streak there, now they're they're, they're garbage again, right? Ron Gardenhire got hired in. He said, okay, I'm going to learn how to use the analytics better. I'm going to embrace this change because the Tigers organization as a whole wasn't really doing that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and because of that, I think they've fallen behind. Whereas you look at a team like the Cubs, that was all they did, right? Right? It was almost purely based on the numbers. Okay, this is what we're going to do. The Oakland A's are another one where you go, hey, listen, we need this, and they follow a formula. Um, do you think that teams in the NBA would be more su- well-suited to kind of jump on these bandwagons and embrace some of these new ways of scouting sooner rather than later to kind of avoid being that you know, la- you know, late to the party kind of thing where you're just catching up and everyone's like, yeah, we've been here for 20 minutes. Where have you been kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think they should, but I do think for the most part, teams are embracing it. I mean, like I said, it's it's different team by team. There are definitely yeah. some out there that, that value it more than others. I don't think I, I shouldn't say that. I don't I don't know how every team runs their operation. Right, sure. Yeah. But but it it just seems like even in just talking to scouts, talking to people around the league, that like there's no one who's just like, nah, we're just not doing that. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like like yeah. to some extent and more than just the baseline extent, everyone's starting to integrate it. Mm-hmm. Um I, I and you know yeah, I, I think teams are are starting to use it. Mm-hmm. more than just at the minimal amount that you can. So I, I do think that collectively, like the NBA may be a little closer together mm-hmm. than baseball, where maybe some teams are, we use it a lot. Some teams are, we don't like to use it. I think there's more of a middle ground where it, it, there's at least uh, a 
Right. It's at least being used to some extent with every team. Right. And I think the NBA too, I, I do agree with you because even as you mentioned earlier in last year's draft, right. You looked at, there was like, there was three, four players, right. Right. away. you went, okay, these are the guys. Right. And it, it's kind of clear and evident, right. Like I know this year's draft, you know, Halliburton is the, is the big fish, right. Everyone's like, okay, can the Pistons suck bad enough to, to somehow land him? If that's the, if that's the way they want to go with it. Personally, I don't think they're going to go that route, but that's another story. But, um, but you know, I do think the NBA has definitely embraced that just a little bit more. You know, um, I, I do want to go back to something we talked about earlier, though, the balance, right? And, and what we were talking about between, you know, the old way of thinking where what you just see compared to the numbers, you know, is there something in, in a prospect, right, where, you know, you like what he does in the game, but for whatever reason, the numbers just don't match up, right? How do you combat that? Like, is it, do you, do you then have to rely more on the character side and, and the team fit? Because listen, it looks great on tape, but the numbers don't really suggest that, right? Or vice versa. The numbers look great, but when you look at him on tape, he's not, he's not doing anything, right? It kind of just kind of comes together for whatever reason, right? He's the only, he's the only scorer on a team, for instance, or he's the only guy who's over six, five, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, how do you, how do you walk that line between when, when things don't maybe match up what you see on film and, and, you know, and the reports and, and the metrics? Yeah. So, so I think the first thing you probably would do in that situation is do a little digging mm -hmm. and kind of seeing if you can find an answer to why that is. You'll probably try to talk to some people on the staff, um, you'll probably try to talk to some opponent staffs in their league and just kind of see like, you know, is there a reason why this is happening? And sometimes there is sometimes right. people are at a school that just doesn't fit the way they play. Sometimes it's, you know, mm -hmm. they might not have the most talented team around them. Mm -hmm. um, some, sometimes it is just, there's like an issue, you know, you, you find out like, Oh, he, you know, wasn't as compliant and want to play that role. Right. I think the other thing that that can really help out is if you're if if you're lucky enough to see guys at like for so I mentioned Portsmouth earlier. It's like the yeah. senior bowl. Seeing guys in a different setting mm -hmm. away from their team right. can be huge because oftentimes okay. they're playing a different role. So Absolutely. at those events like summer league or Portsmouth, like it's invaluable because you're able to get them out. And like there are teams where like. Like, I mean, this is a, the easy example, right? Syracuse, they play the 2-3 zone. Being able to see a guy in those settings and see how he defends man-to-man, -man, like, right. it helps. You know what Absolutely. I mean? It gives you some different context. They're, um, you know, if guys are predominantly on-ball, off-ball, and then they go to a team, like, one of those scenes, and they're in a different setting. And, mm -hmm. and even mm -hmm. sometimes I found, like, you know, roles change over time. Sometimes guys are asked to play different roles when they're younger, yeah. whether it's they mature, whether it's, different guys come in recruits transfers whatever mm -hmm. i think depending on on the situation like even going back and just trying to watch guys from a year or two before in a different role mm -hmm. like can kind of help you out in terms of like what someone can and can't do i think sometimes we look at it and it's like oh well like they can't do this or they can't do that and it's like well that's that's kind of their role with the team right. so like when I was at Oakland we had Kendrick Nunn who plays for mm -hmm. the Miami Heat now was runner-up to John Moran for rookie of the year right. and I mean Kendrick was by far the best player in our league best player right. in our team and we unfortunately we had some injuries towards the end of the year and Kendrick was taking a lot of shots yeah and and crazy shots off the dribble and off movement that, that people right. probably watching are like, what the heck is he doing? Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to scouts at the time and they're like, well, he takes bad shots. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. 
yeah. him shooting a contested shot is better than some people we have taking an open shot. Right. And that's just the reality of it. He's just, yeah. you know, so, yeah. so I think, I think if you can combination of digging into it, why is, why is this looking like that? And really, if you can see them in a different setting, uh, I think it can kind of open some doors a little bit. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and being adaptable, right. And being able to fit into something like that. Uh, one quick thing on the character side too, does, mm-hmm. you know, from the character perspective, we hear so much about it. Like, you know, especially if a guy slides, for instance, right. Like a guy falls, he's supposed to be a top five pick, supposed to be a top 10 pick. And all of a sudden he's there at 15, he's at there at 20. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, you know, Woj comes out and he says, yeah, he interviewed poorly. Right. Or he, you know, he didn't, he didn't do this or like that. You know, can you talk to me maybe a percentage of, you know, how much character is, is involved and how important it is for teams, you know, to, to really flesh that out before they bring you into the building and make a a true investment into you. Yeah. I I honestly think for my personal opinion, I mentioned those four components. I think it's the most important, Um, you know, and I, I don't think I ever really got a sense for that until Mm -hmm. last year when I was able to be involved in some of the draft interviews and whatnot. Yeah. And um, no, I mean, I I think it's huge. And like it, a lot of you, you can just get a sense for it. A lot of times I don't think guys are fully just going to like flat out say the wrong thing because they're kind of trained up a little bit. Of course. you know, you, you, you get a feel for guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you do a little bit of digging and and Mm -hmm. see if your feelings are, are there or not, whether they're Mm -hmm. positive or negative. Um, But no, I mean, I think it's huge. I think team chemistry is huge and like, you know, people always say it, but I think it's proven that like there needs to be some sense of camaraderie to, to have some success. I mean, you obviously want talent. Yeah. um, But at the end of the day, like if you sacrifice, if you sacrifice character for talent, it'll bite you at some point, like you may win some games you know, you, you right. may be able to get away with it for a while, but at some point it's going to come back and get you. Right. It eats away, right. It eats away at the team. It eats away at the culture. But, you know, once you start to compromise a little bit, what, where does it stop? Right. So, yeah. you know, I think that's why certain teams, you know, I, you know, the, the league right now was so weird, but it's the reason like a team like San Antonio, right. Was so dominant for so long. I mean, yeah, they had Tim Duncan, but I mean, you never looked at Manoj Nobly and said, Oh, he's a top five player in this league. Right. He, he, he yeah. wasn't right. But so, it's all about the structure. It's all about what you're building for sure. Um, real quick, you know, before I let you go, just as a fun one, are you a LeBron guy or are you a Jordan guy? Because we have the conversation quite a bit on the show. I try to avoid it because there's no, it's not, there's no way you can answer it and people will be happy with you. Half the audience is going to be pissed. The other half of the audience will be like, yeah, see, this guy said it. He's a scout. He knows what he's talking about. So, you know, give me your, just, you know, briefly give me your take on it. You know, hopefully you don't get in trouble. I don't know if you know LeBron personally or something. I don't know, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not. I, I will say it's probably the hardest question you asked me. No kidding. Right. Um, I know it's yeah. one of the, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, Mike is a huge LeBron guy, you know, my co-host, you know, I, I probably tend lean more towards Jordan, but it's one of those things to where I personally, it, it doesn't matter at the yeah, end of the day, I, but I love, I love to ask people who are close to it and see it. You know, you watch so much tape all the time. You know, you have to see things that probably myself and Mike and other just casual fans, even the diehards, right. Maybe don't see, you know, when you watch them, you know, on film. Yeah. I, I do think you said it and that there's like no right answer to it. Yeah. I, th- I think that, 
purely from a scouting perspective and yeah. mind you I, I didn't it's not like I was around to watch Jordan all the time yeah during neither his was prime. I yeah right but, of course but but I'm, I'm sure the thing that to me at least probably separates the two is like not that LeBron does not have a killer mentality because you don't mm-hmm. win that many games and, and right. have the be success as successful he as he is if you yeah, don't but sure. like not many people really, and, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have watched The Last Dance and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, not many people had that same mentality that Jordan had. And, like, Absolutely. you know, I, and I'm not even saying it was a good or bad mentality. Obviously, it led him to a lot of success. I, I don't think everybody can pull that off. He I was think, insane. You can say yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> he was nuts. Yeah, and, and it worked, right? right like, absolutely. it worked for him. And, and, and there are guys where, like, if they tried to do that, like mm-hmm. – I mean, there's no way that that they would be able to get away with it. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I got to like, that's probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. that that separates the two. But I mean, you know, I, I feel like I used to like hate on LeBron, like a lot of people out there and whatever. Right. And then I just I finally got to the point where I'm like, you, you might as well just enjoy greatness because that, like it's just yeah. not going to come around yeah. that often and maybe mm-hmm. not again in our lifetime. And, you know, so you just got to. Yeah. to some extent sit back and enjoy the ride yeah I, I i'm so glad you said that because that's kind of where i'm at now where it's i used to be the same way right i used to fight a tooth and nail you know but as he's gotten older you know and we talked last week on the show about how you know he mentioned he's like i'm never going to be 100 percent physically again right he's like it's just not it's just not realistic i got to stay in game shape 20 all, all the time to be prepared for the, for the rigors of the regular season. So to hear things like that, I think it really puts some sort of a finality, right? Where you go, Oh man, I forgot he's human. He's not this, you know, not this insane juggernaut of an athlete who just dominates at, at his level. Um, you know, so it's kind of interesting for sure, but just want to get your take on just a little bit to see, um, you know, one last thing I want to ask here, right before we, before I let you go too, just because we talked about the Pistons for, for a lot of time here, did you like their last year? Did you like their draft last year? What'd you think yeah. of it? There, there was a mixed bag when people first came out of it in, you know, what we finally, obviously you didn't see the results on the court, but mm-hmm. you know, from a building block perspective, do you think that the Pistons are on the right path, you know, in your humble opinion? Yeah, I do. I, I think the one thing that they got is they got four very uh, smart, tough and high character individuals. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think that can be said enough. And, and, and I think the biggest thing is like, that was very important. Absolutely. Um, you know, having four picks doesn't doesn't really happen that often, especially mm-hmm. three in the first round. Yeah. Obviously, they maneuvered a little bit to get that. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, they, they got four guys who, who are going to do the right things. They're going to put the time in. They're going to, you know, do what it takes to improve. And at the end of the day, like you draft a guy, but it's all about the improvement, right? right. Like they need to get better. And, and that's not just when you're young. I think, you know, you look at LeBron, it's amazing how much of a better shooter he's gotten. And like, that's not an accident. Like the guy has to work insanely hard to do that. Yes. So I think, I think you're betting on these four guys to, to continue to improve. And mm-hmm. um, one, one, one quick one, just cause yeah. it's, it's funny. Like, I think, I think the guy that people might've been, confused about is is Isaiah Stewart absolutely for sure yeah and and the the funny thing about that is just you know going through the process like I I wasn't involved in the interview with him so I don't I don't wasn't able to get that personal interaction with him Mm -hmm. um 
But on a lot of the interviews I was involved in, it's, it's pretty common for a lot of teams, you know, just general conversation. Right. Who'd you play against that was tough? Who was a little bit overrated? Who was a little bit underrated? Mm-hmm. Every single team that played Washington said that he was the hardest guy for them to go up against. Every big guy. And it got to the point where we were just like, Jesus Christ, this guy's <laughs> name's getting brought up all the time. Yeah, we're, right. yeah. we're not even asking about him. We're just, right. you know, we're just like, who who was the hardest guy you had to go up against? And right. bar none, it was Isaiah Stewart. So mm-hmm. like, and and I know that like, like all the background things checked out, mm-hmm. tough kid, smart kid, very humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that that one was a bit of a surprise. And I think you said in the overreaction to the, to, you know, originally we're like, Oh, he, we could have got him right. 10 picks later and all that. Right. right. I don't think that's true because, because guys like that, like that matters when mm-hmm. like, you know, it matters when people kind of have that reputation, not in the sense of like, you want to do it off the reputation, but like if all these guys are saying that, like, he's yeah. the toughest guy, you're probably going to dive into the film a little bit more and be right. like, Absolutely. you know, and, and he was a hard scout at Washington in terms of like, they played zone. They played that Syracuse two, three from Mike Hopkins. That mm-hmm. team was like a bit of a mess. Like yep. they had talent, but right. it never gelled. They didn't click. They were really difficult to watch at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think he like, he's kind of almost that example. I feel like of the guy where it's like, you really had to dig in a little bit more. Like and I think the, everybody... and the measurables, right? Like he, he's not yeah, seven foot, he's not yeah. se- over seven foot, right? So yeah. everyone's like, so he's a forward that plays center. And you're like, no, no, he's going to mm-hmm. play center, and he's and you're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, and I think another part is like he just didn't shoot a lot at Washington, but right. like part of that is like they don't really let their five men shoot. Like you yeah. know what I mean? So some of that you got to go off workouts. Some of that you got to go off. Mm-hmm. You know, all these guys are going to have a trainer, and this last year is a little unconventional. Normally, you'd have like pro days for lack yep, of a better sure. word or yep, whatever. workouts yep yeah so they, they weren't as like prevalent this year but mm-hmm. like like you got to go off of that a little bit because like you know college is such a different game than the nba i mean Absolutely. it's there there's so many you know I, I could go on for a long time about mm-hmm. things you really need to look at that where it's, where it's like you know that's just not going to translate or that is going to translate and shooting is mm-hmm. one of the toughest things because a lot of coaches even now won't let big step out and space the floor um, so I think that was one where it was another one where it's like, he's undersized, he doesn't shoot, but like, I think you're seeing like, he's just a dog and he's yep. going to give it. And yep. like, you know, at yep. the end of the day, guys like that kind of have staying power in the league. Listen, Dennis Robin made the hall of fame averaging like yeah. three points at three points a game. Okay. <laughs> if, listen, sometimes rebounding and effort can get you pretty damn far no matter where you're at, but all right, that's going to be all the time we had though. Jay, I really appreciate, you know, you hopping on and, and dealing with my craziness and everything else. I think the, the listeners are going to get a huge, huge benefit from this listening to somebody who does it day in and day out and really breaks down these kids and, you know, prepares, you know, teams for, you know, for these upcoming drafts. So what you do is awesome. I, I'm hopeful that we can have you on the show again, maybe around NBA draft time. I would love to have you on again, just to kind of, you know, see where you're at, maybe see your big board as far as like, listen, number one, it's going this guy. Pistons are taking this guy at two because of X, Y, and Z reasons. I'd love to have you on again. Uh, but that's going to be it though, guys. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to bring Mike back in on the show. And uh, Jay, we appreciate it. We'll see you next time. All right. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Rob. 
And welcome back to part two. Once again, a big thank you to Jay um, for hopping on the show with us this week. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll probably have Jay on probably post NBA draft, hopefully, maybe to talk some insight on what the Pistons do, depending if they get a top three pick. Let's all say a small prayer for that. Uh, but let's jump right in here, Mike. Though we thought we were going to talk about the the Tigers this week, and then we'll hop into the NFL schedule release, but. Tigers, um, their ears were burning clearly because last week I said they looked like dog crap and all of a sudden they went 4 out of 5. However, um, that doesn't really mask the fact that they're still probably the worst team in baseball. Um, you know, I'm just going to go through some uh, major league rankings here where the Tigers are at, Mike. Okay, and you okay. tell me if this is the signs that we're ready to turn the corner. Okay. Uh, the Tigers are 26th in team batting average. Okay. Uh, they're 28th in runs scored. 26th in hits, 25th in home runs. They've only hit 36 home runs on the year. Uh, OBP, 28th in the league. Slugging percentage, 28th in the league. Their ERA is a 4.98 as a collective staff. That's good for a wait for it, 27th in the league. Uh, their whip is 28th in the league at 1.45. Good lord. Um, their walks are 24th. Strikeouts, 29th in the league. Wow. Um, And their runs against is 27th. So they're doing everything really, really bad right now, basically, is to surmise whatever that that is, right? They're... God, they're bad. And it's just one of those things where, you know, you're somehow they're not in last place, which is shocking to me because of yesterday. They're 14 and 25. The Twins are 13 and 24. So they're a game up of being a complete and utter embarrassment. Um, but they're still pretty darn terrible. So I guess my question to you, Mike, is two things. Number one, uh, why do you think that this is still a dumpster fire, right? We're going into the, another year where you're like, okay. More young guys are supposed to be playing these highly touted picks. Your farm system is still pretty high up there. You've got like four solid arms in the pitching rotation down in AAA where you're getting ready. Torkelson's up in AAA. you got some pieces there, but the big club right now, you just look terrible. Is no. it is like what, Give me a reason why you think that why we're not seeing some sort of return at this point four five years ago. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I, I mean... God, the team's just so bad. Uh, that's where I'll start. But I think it's I think you've missed on a lot of these draft picks yeah. so far. Guys like um, Willie Castro, who literally just can't field yeah. like at all, yeah. is like a guy who it's like you thought you were like, oh, you have a 23 year old dude mm-hmm. developing. He's in the majors now, yeah. but you but he can't field to save his life. Basically, he just yeah. messed up way too much and. You just and it's like a consistent thing where it's like all these guys you're like Casey Mize you're like oh here we go this is our guy and right. it's oh this game he let up nine runs oh right. great all right cool well is he gonna is he gonna right. show up and eventually right. start being that guy and I think I think it's because it we're it's so long. Mm-hmm. Um, to develop these guys, like in football oh, yeah. and basketball, yeah, if you, it's, it, it's literally, yeah, immediate. it's immediately, yep. you draft a guy in the first round, like Casey Mize is the number one overall pick like four years ago. Mm-hmm. I was in high school when we were mm-hmm. talking about him, and they're like, and it takes five years, and he's fifth in the rotation, and still looks okay. Rough. Yeah, like, rough times, around the edges sure. still. Yeah. Like, he's not developed yet into something. So yeah. all these picks, like the Tolkosins, the mm-hmm. whoever, name, name a guy, 
um, they're still playing double A ball. Like we right. still have four years before we yeah. even probably. I mean, yeah. you'll see Tokelson probably <clears throat> soon, yeah. but it's gonna be a while before you see all these draft picks come in. Right. So uh, it's it's rough because of honestly, baseball's like rebuild strategy, not really the Tigers, but the Tigers also can't. Well, draft, I think so. another thing too that we have to look at is the trades that they made a few years ago, right? Like the the David Price trade to get. Daniel Norris. That was the prize gem of that collection, right? Uh, the Verlander trade. Some of these, um, you know, these trades that Avila pulled off, I, I guess I'll say in quotations, um, have been a disaster, right? Like you didn't get the payoff that you were looking for um, from these trades, really, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, sometimes, like, you found the diamond and rock where Fulmer had a couple good years, and now yeah. he's a... But even he's he's a bullpen guy now, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Boyd came in, and he's been a pleasant surprise. He was not the guy. But the guys that you thought you were acquiring to be key players for this team now, like right now, that was three, four years ago, those are the guys that haven't panned out. They just mm-hmm. cut a guy that they got in the... Um, in the Verlander trade, because he's got, you know, uh, shoulder issues still, again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, he was the guy that was supposed to be. I'm trying to look for his name here, but I can't find it. But anyway, I think he just resigned because nobody wanted to claim him. Um, but, like, I just I just don't understand, um, you know, Franklin Perez. There we go. That's mm-hmm. the one. Uh, but the point is, is that you're, you're missed on these trades when you trade away these big asset guys to teams that are in their win-now mode. But none of these prospects that you got back are on the big club, or if they are, they're not what you thought they were. Daniel Norris is a bullpen guy now. You were expecting him to be one of your starting five rotation, and he's not. So you're just... You miss on trades. You're t- it's taking... And I think that's part of the reason why I think people are starting to question Avila is... Is it something wrong with the development track that they're on, right? Like, do we need to get a new staff in here just because... Clearly, whatever we're doing is not producing these kids to get up to the majors at a reasonable time frame. And when they do get up here, they're expected to perform, and you're not developing these guys to be yeah. ready. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, it's like the Tigers have a weird like thing with... Like and Akil Badu is like a perfect example mm-hmm. where a guy has like a crazy like three games yeah. and now like he's like oh here he is he's our next like savior of the right. team and they do it with like a lot of people like a like uh, Matthew Boy will have like one really good inning or right. one really good game and they're like all right he's he's here to stay and it's just like right. I think I feel like they're too quick yeah on judgment too like Willie Castro had a very good. Uh, a yeah. year last year with the mm-hmm. 60 game season and they're like oh okay like right. we'll we'll take that and then it's all of a sudden like this year it's it's pretty bad now yeah. but they're like oh but he was good last well, year it's like so Jamer Jamer Yeah, Candelario is the same one. Right. So I feel like they have a lot of these <clears> where it's like oh here's the spark all right this guy's going to be really good yeah. and now that they're not playing good but like oh but we saw what he did last year so he's yeah. got to be and like they're we're, not there. We're getting to they, the point too where it's like okay the wait and see the clock is running on yeah. that, right? We're almost at the end of this clock where you've had five years now to turn this round. So if I don't think, if we don't see a major improvement, the you know the three quarters left of the season, whatever we have left, I, I'm I'm heavily concerned that maybe they need to get Avila out of here. It's yeah. it's it's at a point now where you had a chance to implement your vision, and yet we're still the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's the part where you go, listen, no one's going to want to come here if, 
you know, you don't have a semblance of a core foundation. And right now you don't even have that. You brought in AJ Hinch because you thought, okay, you know, we had Gardner here to, to, to be a fundamental, right? To be a solid, steady voice in the locker room to be like, hey, listen, we're going to do things the right way. We're going to build this from the ground up. And I think Gardenhire did a great job considering what he had to work with. But you bring in Hinch to kind of start this process of, all right, you know what? We had some, you know, last couple of years. We've had a lot of playing time. Now is the time. They need to be where the Pistons are at, where yeah. you feel like you have a solid foundation of four rookies that you are going to be able to build off of right now. Mm-hmm. That's what the Pistons think they have. And you know, with Saban Lee coming out of nowhere to be maybe yeah. a, maybe their new point guard and yeah. letting Kays go to the two, I think that's great yeah. to see what that. Can and be. and you never know with the Pistons because getting they have a top six pick guaranteed if they right. lose today to the uh, the Heat, right. which they will. Yeah, um, they have a, yeah they have a they have a protected like six round uh, at right. least a top six pick. Right, and it's actually probably statistically it's like a two three or four pick mm-hmm. uh, with a chance at a one. So you're going to be getting. Kate Another Cunningham, stud. you're getting Jalen Suggs, you're right. getting a stud player there. Where if you have Saban Lee, Killian, um, Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Stewart, and Bay with whoever yeah. you add in here, that's right. five or six guys already now. With right. like you're like, oh, okay, like I, I guess we can roll with that. Right. And you have the Tigers over here for five years, and you go. Casey Mize? Right. And that's the difference, right? If you're comparing what... And now it's a different sport. I get yeah, it. it. But at the same time, Troy Weaver went in and said, this roster's garbage. We need to tear it down, and we need to get the people in here that's going to fit the mold of the team that we want to be. And he did it in one year. Now, I'm not expecting Avila to do it, but you've had half a decade now close mm-hmm. to, and you have the ability to trade away good players, great players. You traded away David Prices and the Justin Verlanders and the JD Martinez's of the world mm-hmm. to get assets in return to develop, and yet your staff has not been able to now develop those guys. Troy Weaver had to trade away people and just buy people out because nobody wanted anything we were selling. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a different circumstance, but you look at, I can guarantee you, if you're a Pistons fan, you are extremely excited for what this season you know, next season has to offer because you saw three, four of your rookies stand out as all rookie type potential players, and you're excited about the future. You feel like you have a foundation, knowing you have a top three, four, five pick coming your way. The Tigers, that's great if you have the number one pick again, but damn, if you can't develop these kids, it's not going to matter. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the thing. Real quick on the Pistons, though, I do want to mention this before we get to the NFL schedule release. Thoughts on Dwayne Casey getting a contract extension? I think it's well-deserved. I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. But I do think now, though, now is when his clock is officially starting. Yes. Is because you have now have a new roster. You've got the right GM in, and there's a vision. Yeah. Now it's on Casey and his staff to really take the next step next year. I'm not yeah. saying playoffs, but they need to be at 500. Yeah, no, I, I see I'm, I'm mixed on it because I like the extension but the way I see Dwayne Casey as a coach is how I see like Jim Caldwell as a coach. Right. Where I see him like he's very good at developing the players, mm-hmm. and or like how uh, Blash was with the, with uh, yeah, the Red sure. Wings. Yep. Like he develops up to like a certain point, and we saw it in Toronto mm-hmm. for those four years. Where like right. you get DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siak, you get all them. You develop them to a certain point, but it was like. But we can't go any farther than this. Mm-hmm. So then they got Nick Nurse, and then took him. And obviously they got Kawhi, and right. then took the Raptors over the hump yeah. and whatever. But 
I, I like the coach. I like Dwayne Casey as a, okay, we're going to develop these For five now. or six rookies. Yep. But I think in like a year or two, you're right. going to have to be like. And it's only through the 2023-2024 season. So, yeah. th- so they really only gave him, I think, a year. Yeah, I think, I think it's like uh, a year or two or whatever. Right. But I'm like, I, I do think probably around that time, maybe even a year early, you have to look around and go. Is yeah, he going to be depending on how quickly they can how quickly they can how quickly uh, Shadiq Bay and all of them get better? Right. Because obviously, if it takes up to the twenty twenty three season for them to really get in their groove, yep. then that's fine. But I think at that very least, I think at that point you're going to probably try to move off from him and mm-hmm. hopefully get the guy who you think is going to be like, all right, he's going to take us to the championship. I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's kind of the <clears throat> if you're looking from a Pistons perspective, right? It's the Rick Carlisle to Larry Brown type. Yeah, of yeah, exactly. Where, yeah, you know, Rick Carlisle got you to a yeah. So finalizing contract through 2023 through twenty twenty four. So not a super long extension, but I do think his his window is starting where it's like before roster sucks. Do what you can with this aging roster. Yeah. Okay, we got a new we got new management in yeah. right. Okay, now let's see what happens. And now is when your yeah. clock is starting. Where yeah. I think in the next two years you need to be competing for playoff. Position. Yeah, I yeah. So long story short, I like the contract extension. Yeah, but I'm like worried that like yeah, if they get good too quick. Yeah, which I think they have potential too because yeah. of all the talent they're going to inquire mm-hmm. and the draft and everything, Absolutely. and they drafted perfectly last year. Clearly, um, they're going to get like pretty good pretty quick, and I don't, like I don't want a year or two of just like. Yeah. For okay, sure. we can't get over the hump. Like, if right. if our team is good enough and Dwayne Casey can't get us over the hump, that's gonna frustrate me because I'm like, we yeah. gave him this extension right. and we can't get over the hump with right. him. But well, yeah, I, if, I like if, it for the moment. Listen, I guess if I'll we say. get into a Toronto situation, right? And it's funny to talk about this now because we're so bad. But like, theoretically, that's where you're trying to get. That's to, where right? they were, though. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Is where you got to a point where it's like, okay, you're a second round, maybe Eastern Conference final team. But then just a team that with one guy, granted, it's LeBron, I understand that, but you just got completely, you had no answers yeah. either. Like you had nothing yeah. to, to counteract that. Yeah, I, the only concern, because I like Dwayne Casey, but I do understand your concerns. My only concern is if they were to let him go after two seasons, right? Say they're a playoff team, you know, they're in the 76er role where like they can't get out of the maybe the second round or something. Yeah. Whatever that, that, that curse is for whatever reason. Um, I do not want to hire a former NBA star no. to be our new head coach. I don't understand that fad. I don't want Steve Nash or Derek Fisher or Jason Kidd no. to be my head coach in my franchise. Nope. It's just not – I just don't want it. Sorry. No. It's just – till it works, which mm-hmm. it hasn't. I'm not even counting Ty Lue in that win because if you, clearly when he didn't have LeBron, he went 2-50. and 50 in it, yeah. You know what I mean? So – I don't want that. So that's no, my own, that is my only thing cuz I mean I don't think Troy Weaver would hire that but Tom Gorris no. is done. No, they need it because I like I I am going to say I <clears throat> doubt they get a star player. Now, true. I've talked to people that watch a lot more basketball than me and it's shocking cuz I watch I a lot say, of basketball. I was like there's more people Oh, jeez. But they people apparently are speculating that Cade could be like a star superstar kind of talent and yeah. if we did get like a Cade Cunningham and he is that star superstar potential guy yeah. then I think that um that's what they I w- I'm not going to absolutely hate getting us like a like a Derek Fisher or whatever mm-hmm. coach cuz at that point if you have a star superstar with a really good team around him right like the coaching at that point is like almost uh, almost obsolete. Yeah, right. Like you kind of look at the Warriors, where like if you got to that point where you have a couple star players and stuff mm-hmm. before even Kevin Durant got there, it's like 
they can almost coach themselves. Right. Yeah, you just need a guy there to like motivate right. them. Right. But if they don't get like a Cade and you're stuck with like a real like a the go to work Pistons where you don't have a star player mm-hmm. but a really good you collective unit, then you to, need the coach to right. help elevate them to the next level. Exactly. So depending on the next two or three years. Draft who you wise, get, right. and if you can pull anyone in free agency, then that's going to decide who, what the coach I, is. Listen, if you're a Pistons fan, you, this is the time to be excited because oh, your your salary cap situation is clearing up in the biggest way. You took the brunt of it now, the Blake Griffin buyout and stuff like that, because you know in a year or two we're really going to start rolling, right? To yeah. see some of the development by some of these kids, you know, I am extremely excited to see, like, um, you know. Shadiq Bay. I'm really excited to see what Isaiah Stewart can continue to build on as well. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's going to be interesting because if Cade Cunningham is the guy that they take or falls to them, however you want to put that, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the backcourt because you now you've got Saban Lee who's looked really good at the point. Yeah. They really like Killian Hayes as a combo guard. They mm-hmm. like what he can do both on ball and off the ball. You see now he had a couple career nights off the ball playing at the two. So you're like, all right, and yeah. now you bring this kid in, you're like. Oh, does Saban Lee not go to the bench and you put K's? I've yeah, so the, I've heard one? I've heard from from see people I trust in yeah. the NBA persona world For sure. that it would probably be a lineup of like Killian K or or, yeah. or sorry Cade Killian, but they're like combo guards technically. Right. So, technically, so yeah, right. they're like positionless. They're both right. just guards. Yeah. And then you get um, Shadik at the three, Jeremy Grant at the four, and then you'll probably I keep. I totally forgot about Jeremy Grant. We're talking about all the rookies. We yeah. And we have Jeremy Grant who's playing great too. <laughs> and then pro and then Plumley at the five, and then you have Stewart and uh, Saban Lee coming off the bench. Yeah. And you also have like Frank Jackson who's been playing pretty well mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So that would be like your rotation next year, yeah. pending unless you get another good player in the late yeah. first or early second. And they got the guy too from Memphis. That they signed into a one-year deal. What's his name? The former f- top pick. Uh, he plays small forward and shooting guard. Oh, I I didn't know we signed anyone. No, no, we didn't sign him. He was in the free agent like before. Uh, not Frank Jackson, but uh, he played Josh Kansas. Jackson. Josh Jackson, thank oh, you. The right. other Jackson brother. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like yeah he's too. played solid too. Yeah. So that's what I mean. So I'm like, I think that's what I've heard would be the starting they, lineup. And yeah. at that point, I'm like, oh, all that right, sounds yeah. good. That's what they need. I do think that is the next. Thing for this team because you've got two ways you can go with it, right? I know we're going long on this, but I think it's I think it's exciting because the season's winding down before we get into NBA playoff talk. And the Which will happen next week, probably, yeah, because we're right around the corner. But um, uh, no, but like when you think about it, right? It's either you go that going to work route, right, where you put more of an emphasis on defense and trying to limit teams, knowing that you don't maybe have the offensive firepower that some teams are going to, or you go, hey, we're going to go and try to find our next. Guy, like yeah. legit guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the like the point guard from Atlanta, right? What's it? Trey Young, right? Yeah. Like, we're gonna try to find that guy. We're gonna yeah. try to find like a dude we can count on to put up thirty a night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pistons have never had that in a long time. Yeah. Like Isaiah was that guy, and even he wasn't putting up thirty. A night. I, I I think it goes if you get Cade. I yeah. think that's probably your guy, like yeah. your star you're gonna build around. Mm-hmm. If you don't get him, then I think they just alternate right into the yeah. go to work style, right? And just they're gonna pick like Jalen Green from the G League or Suggs or mm-hmm. Mobley the center. They're right. gonna get one of those four guys probably, right. and they're gonna be like, all right, here's our collective group. Five or six, seven strong, mm-hmm. and we're just gonna go in every night, yep. play defense, and play hard. Yeah. So I think it's one of the two routes. If you get Cade, you get a star. Yep. If not, you have. I a do, think they, good I do unit. think they need a second. 
I don't want to say second option for Grant because I think that Shadik has proven that he can put up points on a consistent basis, right? Yeah. But I do think having another scorer, like I like I, it's, it's, I mean, he's the best prospect too. It helps that you know yes. Cunningham is there. Yeah. But like, man, it's like man, that, like that would be really great to see this team because yeah. that was always the biggest complaint, even when they had. Blake here for those two years that he looked really, really good in a Pistons uniform. You're like, okay, Blake's putting up 25, but we have nobody else mm-hmm. who can score the basketball right now. So offensive efficiency was so poor. We're like, man, you can have a guy that can slash and get inside and allow Shadik to float out to the three. It just opens up a world of possibilities yes, for this team. I agree. So extremely excited. We can't wait to talk about the draft. Can't wait to talk about NBA playoffs as well. So Mike <laughs> is pumped. He is ready to go. Uh, right. My Lakers. For the Lakers to lose in the playoff in the playing play- series. <laughs> And Mike goes, we're not talking about playoffs anymore. Well, we're done. Next Sunday, if on uh, Wednesday or Friday yeah. they end up losing the play-in, I oh won't be showing gosh. up Sunday. Yeah, I'll be I like, be... Mike is taking a small hiatus from the show. Uh, small <laughs> meaning until the NFL season starts. Yeah, there we go. Oh, boy, I'm just sitting here talking. So uh, Actually, I, stuff. I think there's a good chance, since we can't really talk about it today because we won't know what happens, yeah. but there is a good chance that they actually end up as the six. Yeah, right. Which because Port- that, Portland could lose. Yeah. And then if Denver wins, and Lakers winning, too, win. And they're winning, too. It helps, too. Yeah. winning again. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> they could play Denver in the first round be a three. And yeah. I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, Jokic who knows? Jokic MVP trophy over there. Yeah, he gets his MVP, <laughs> MVP trophy. And the Broncos, goes, and you're gone. <laughs> first round exit for the MVP. It's Poor so guys. sad. Just like oh, Derrick Rose man. back in the day. Oh, yeah. boy. Poor Derrick Rose. All right. Let's, let's get in here to... Um, Let's get into the NFL schedule release. That's why you're all here. I know that's why you're all here. Um, you know, so I, talk, that's why I'm here. Let's let's talk Lions first. Um, I think it's important to kind of get that out of the way here. We've we've talked, you know, at nauseum at this point. The expectations are low. This schedule um, does not help matters at all. Um, you know, just being blunt and honest, right? You know, that their first three games: San Francisco at Green Bay. Um, Baltimore, not not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, and we've talked before, Mike, you know, the schedule is what it is. But this is probably the best year if you're going to have a, of a gruesome schedule like this. It's probably this year just because you are in year one, mm-hmm. phase one of yep. a rebuilding year. <clears throat> so the expectations are low. But give me your thoughts here. What what is their ceiling? You know, I think we're we're pretty. I think we're pretty close in lockstep on that. I know mm-hmm. some people like my dad are still somehow thinking they're going to somehow manage to be five hundred. Sorry, I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, you can't be. You got to decide. Oh, I'm sorry. They're going to be right on that fringe. Yeah, you're gonna I be think. eight and nine. He's like, I think they're going to surprise some people. And I, I do have some some key things I think people need to start paying attention to when it comes to their success on the season, which we'll get to in a second. But what is what is this team's ceiling record-wise based on how the schedule plays out? There is some conditions on this, right? Yes. The Aaron Rodgers situation, that kind of thing. But just all in all, what do you think their ceiling is yeah. win record-wise? Well, if we're going to go absolute like highest possible ceiling, I think they could, if stuff falls the right way, have eight wins, yeah. like you guys say, like, yeah. but be around the 500 mark. But that's like, you're asking a lot of things to go you're right. You're going to need a lot of people playing really, really well. Yeah, you're going to need a lot of people <laughs> to play well. You, yep. You're going to need Rodgers to probably leave Green Bay for that to happen. And you're Don't gonna, make me start crying. And you're going to need to have to have like some... Unfortunately, to say like injuries along well, the way I think to help, gonna, and I think too, and that and this comes to my first point is I think the number one guy that is going to make this team run is DeAndre Swift. Yeah. If DeAndre Swift either gets hurt, knock on wood, or is not the guy that we hope he can be, 
we're dead. Yes. Because if you can't run the ball with this offensive line, you, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Because yes. Goff is not the guy to throw the ball 50 times to win you a football game. Yes. So that was my that was going to be my first point, so I'm glad you kind of mentioned that. Is because that is probably more than anything else the number one factor for me. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the defense is going to be worse than it was last year. I don't think it's possible, quite mm-hmm. frankly, to be no. as bad as they were. So because of that, I go, okay, your defense has taken a step up. Your offense is definitely taking a step down just from the most important position possible. Um whether your thoughts on Stafford are good or not, he's not. He's better than Goff, straight up. But at the same time, the the development of a consistent run game here, where if Swift is not able to be a you know a true like starting caliber running back, because they get rid of carry on, so he's the man. Him and Jamal Williams are going to be splitting a lot of carries. Um, if they can't run the ball successfully and he doesn't have a big year, this team is going to be in really rough shape. Where you're getting to the point now where my ceiling for like my the more realistic observation is probably them winning five to six games this yeah. year at most. If they don't do that, they're going to be lucky to win two. If they can't run the ball, we're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. No, I mean my, my realistic ceiling is like five or six. Yeah. No, they're, I go, they're, they're tall ceilings. But I'm like, but I'm like, yeah. they're they're absolute ceiling. Like they yeah. will not under any circumstance win more than eight games. I don't think so. Like either. I don't I don't see any barring massive out. injuries. Barring like unless like Stafford gets out, like yeah. the Browns fall apart, and like the steel right. like unless all these teams just start falling apart, and we right. play them at the perfect time. If we time, hit a whole bunch of teams like the Niners were decimated last year, that's yeah. really the only. That's way the, the only play. way you yeah. hit more than that. But yeah. if you're if we're projecting like okay, no real injuries are going to yeah. happen. Just just teams, yeah. just team on paper versus team on paper. I don't think you win more than five or six games. Yeah, but there's there's chance to move around that. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. I think I think actually. To lighten the blow for Lions fans, because I know people <laughs> like your dad will be like, "Oh, you know, like, like you could if they would have scheduled this like open against like the Bengals, then Packers, then like right. the the Denver Broncos, people would be like, oh, you know, two and one, three and oh, then we're gonna right. be rolling kind of thing.' Yeah. I think with the schedule layout, it's like so you're probably gonna go zero and three, maybe even zero and four because you're in yeah. Chicago, and then you go. And then your season's basically done right there. Yeah, right. You, where, you're going for in the first quarter of the year. There's, there's almost no way. Yeah, with the roster you have, there's that. no yeah. like no way you're coming back. So then you'll get lucky to win your well, three, four games. Historically, even you're like you know, yeah, shit. But that's what I mean. So yeah. I think they actually gave because of the situation we're in mm-hmm. a, a pretty good like thing for Lions fans to go. All right, we're not going to expect much. I mean, here's the thing, and you're kind of calling it if they come out and just like beat the 49ers somehow, mm-hmm. then that's just like a. All right, cool. Like, right. perfect. And I do think that they like, do have a, a small. I'm not going to say that they should be favorite. Clearly, no. they're, they're 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 you know they're Awful. I think they're I think seven and a half favorites the Niners are right yes. now or something like that. So, but with that being said, I do think being the home opener, new regime, Ford Field's going to have fans. Right, it's a new everything's new, and you getting that bad taste out of your mouth from the from the sell job that we just had for the last three years. I do think that sometimes magic happens week one. Yeah. I do think that a little bit. So I, I'm not going in that Niners game thinking, and maybe this is just the lion, the beaten down Lions fan in me, but I am thinking that there is a chance they can win. Now, they yeah. have chances to win all of them, but they're not beating Baltimore, straight up. Yeah. Unless but the markets are, like, they're not beating you, Baltimore. You, you, can, you can look at it as, like, very optimistically. Yeah. You can go, okay, so if they come out just killing week one, right. if Rodgers gets traded, say, to Denver or something, right. and sudden, then you can win right. week two, and you go, all right, like, you right. lose to Baltimore, then you go into Chicago right. way more confident maybe at one and Correct. two two and one if they can be one and two going into chicago 
in any situation possible, yeah. I'll be thrilled. Yeah, and I'll then and then thrilled. and then and then you get games like Bengals, Eagles yep. coming. Like then you're like, all right, maybe you can be a little more optimistic. Yep. But I think the actuality, it's like, all right, you're gonna be 0 three, yep. probably 0 four after Chicago. Then yep. your season's basically done. Mm-hmm. Um, you win. Like you you win. Rookie yeah, you, you play all the rookies. You play <laughs> yeah. all your young guys. Win yeah. four or five games. And you have something to build off of, and you know the plan, right? And I think that is so important. Just as we talk about the Pistons, right? The Pistons only win 21 games this year, but the plan is in action here. Yeah, and And it looks sexy. And it does. And we just talked about it at nausea for the last 10 minutes, is that there is is hope there at the end of the tunnel. So I'm not saying Brad Holmes is going to turn this thing around. But what I am saying is that... You've seen a drastic difference in scouting immediately. Mm. You've seen that they're drafting athletes who can play football, not football players who fit a specific scheme. You're taking guys that are mean as hell, and you're taking guys that on most people's board would go, oh, yeah, that was a pretty solid pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everyone is kind of saying that, right? Yeah. So you, you've you got a solid foundation in your offensive line, which is going to be, I think it's going to be top five in football. I know I think, end up I, being there. I, I think it is, quite frankly. You can't tell me another offensive line that is this much invested in it that's not going to perform. you mm-hmm. got two guys for sure. Even if Sewell's a question mark, I think he's going to be fine, especially playing on the right side. <clears throat> so Swift and the running game is going to be so key to success here because they're going to want to run play action. They're going to want to run spread read option concepts with Goff there to kind of mimic what he did in college where he had success. But to run the football, control the tempo is going to be so big. And I think, too, another thing that I think that was missing out of basically the entire Lions defense last three years out of Matt Patricia's defense, then which is weird because New England always seemed to be able to do this pretty consistently to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. We don't create turnovers on defense at all. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Glenn can do, especially in the secondary and be like, man, if we can just force a quarterback to make a bad read instead of everybody just being bomb ass open all mm-hmm. the time, maybe that can lead to some more competitive games. The other day they just need more competitive. Because mm-hmm. right now there were weeks at a time where you looked unfit to be playing a football game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I mean I can point to Carolina and Houston back to back where you go you go from getting shut out to getting decimated by a bad Texans team back-to-back weeks within four days and they're always like oh no this is fine yeah you know what i mean like that those are the kind of things that you got to be weary of for sure but all right let's talk about the whole schedule um as a whole here mike i know you did a deep dive on this at some point later on in the offseason we are going to do our full-on pick every winner of every game it's one of my favorite things to do on the show mike brought it up a couple years ago i think it's a huge hit we talk about every single game not in detail we just basically say all right chiefs Packers, who wins? Chiefs, next. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. And you, you'll you be amazed to find out what you think you know, the final records are. And somehow the Lions somehow always make the playoffs. Yeah, in my they, mind. Make, they, <laughs> make, they make nine wins every year somehow. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but, uh, Mike, just give, give me your thoughts on the schedule. Some highlighted games that people really need to be paying attention to, right. you know, with some extenuating circumstances. Yes. All right, so we will go through. I have my whole dossier here of all these great, dossier. great football games that we have here. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with the first week. Yeah, uh, we open the season. I thought it was a great opening night game. Lions, Cow- Lions, Lions. Yeah, Lions. <laughs> 
I love how we I love how we can joke, Rob. I love how we can joke. Uh, we open the season Cowboys oh, at Bucks opening night. I think it's pretty big. Um, Bucks coming off the Super Bowl. Cowboys probably. I guess you could say the biggest market, but like uh, any, I well, don't know anymore. I mean, it's it's you know, tough now. Dak's gonna be back. Dak's gonna be contract. back. Dallas thinks they're winning the Super Bowl every year until Week Six. Yes. So. I, it's, it, whether we like it or not, the Cowboys are a big market team. Yeah, so, so it's every time the Cowboys are, I'm like, all right, go with the other team. Yeah, it's Plus gonna be the a, Packers. Yeah, it's gonna be a solid. Um, then we open uh, Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon, I guess. Yep. Um, the game I call, I've been saying this for literally three months you now. Have, it's kind of funny. That, um, that you Jags at Texans, and I wrote here on my dossier. I called it Trevor Lawrence's first game because yep. they're gonna give him the easiest opponent possible. Because so Watson's can... not gonna play. There's no way Watson plays. Yeah, Watson this doesn't year. play. I don't think Watson plays at all this year. By mm-hmm. the way, I don't think he's playing. With all his legal trouble that's going on, as well as the fact that the Texans are just clearly just going to let him sit there and rot, yeah. um, I don't think he plays at all. But you're you're dead on. Yeah. The, the first game of the Urban Meyer era, Trevor Lawrence is there. It, that's, that team has is, is got a worse roster than the Lions do by far, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I think the Jags win by two, by two touchdowns. Yeah, honestly. And everyone's um, going to be like, oh, he's the king. Yeah, and Zach Wilson's gonna struggle. And I'm like, ah, oh, see. <laughs> uh, I have uh, so this. These are both Fox games, and I only wrote it because I later found out that it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So we have Packers Saints, and I'm including Broncos Giants. And I, and you might say Broncos Giants. Who cares? I did. But yeah, that's exactly what Rob did when I, I, I said went, it. Why? And you, on Fox Bets, uh, their betting site, the number one team if the Packers do trade Aaron Rodgers would be to Denver. Right. So Fox has both games covered just in, just case, in case wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. Which is so I thought it was kind of sure. clever and a good marketing or a good uh, do strategy. Think, do there. you think he's getting traded? I don't, but you don't. Do you we'll think see. He's play. Uh, like probably, that's, that's I think so. Thing. I think like, I don't even know. Like if they, don't, I don't think he's going to get traded at least. In the near future, that's, that's tough for me. I don't think he gets traded, but I also don't know if he plays. That's the thing. Or like I think he split. can just be one of those things where he goes, you know, what? screw you guys. You know yeah. what I mean? But like, because I've heard now, just getting off topic, just a little bit here. Um, you know, we've heard reports now that Green Bay has made a significant long-term offer to Rodgers, which completely defeats the purpose of doing what they did last year in the draft. So it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, are they at a point now where it like literally they're just praying to God that he comes back because... I think so. Like, is Jordan Love so not ready? Like, he Apparently. had a whole year to sit and watch. He was never even active. Yeah. And practice and do all this stuff. And you're just not even close to being ready to play. Not even... A, like, he was a first-round pick. Yeah. And you're telling me he's not even close. Nope. Like, he doesn't have to be good, but not even... A, like, so bad that you're going to bring Blake Bortles <laughs> to potentially be your week one starter if Rodgers says, screw you guys? Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I, I'm expecting, if Rodgers doesn't play... Like, Trey Lance is ready to here, play if he had to. This is my PTSD from two years ago, he's yeah. going to do the Andrew Luck. And, like, week three of the preseason, he's going to yeah. go, ah, see, I'm retiring. Oh, my gosh. That would be awesome. And, like, I it's going to give the Packers... Because he's going to tell the Packers, yeah, I'm good yeah. until, like, week three of the preseason. Because, you know, this guy over here thinks Andrew Luck's going to be amazing that year and drafts him in fantasy just to turn around and go, oh, yeah, see you, dork. I'm, oh out, of the, I'm out of the Colts. I think Rodgers... If he does leave, I think he's going to do it in the preseason where you're going to give him, like, no time 
to fix anything. So it's like, I guess, Blake, you're going to start. As the AFC, I don't care. Just send to the AFC. Yeah. Please send All right, to the But AFC. continuing my week one yeah, rant sorry. here. We got uh, Sunday Night Football, Bear, Bears at Rams. And I wrote Stafford's first game against the NFC North opponent. And yeah, I think he's going to not be better. He's going to try to too. throw for a lot. And it's going to be fun. And it's the first game in uh, SoFi Stadium with like full fans. Yeah. Because the Chargers are going to be on the road. Yeah. So it's going to be like... Oh, yeah, First game in the new stadium, huge atmosphere well, you, is gonna be crazy. You know, if you're the NFL, you're hoping Dalton's not playing. He's gonna be, but you know, yeah. like you're hoping that you're you hoping know, you get fields. Fields, but you're not. Fields. But either way, Stafford in LA, that's a big thing, especially if you're a Lions fan. I get it. If you're a Lions fan, you're like, oh, he's dead to me now. But yeah, I'm still gonna be rooting for him. I got his jersey, so. <laughs> All right, week two, we have Chiefs at Ravens Sunday Night Football. Obvious for obvious reasons, huge game, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Last time they played, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, even though Baltimore got basically killed. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I also put Lions at Packers because it's Monday Night Football, and so only yes. technically primetime prime time game, yep. but yep. Thanksgiving's Thanksgiving prime doesn't time. Count. I but don't care. it's, it's their only primetime game, so I added it on the list. And but it's not really. There's some intrigue with that too, right? Last time they played at Monday Night, I'm gonna say it. They got screwed, but it's fine. Um, you know, that was probably the last hope of the Patricia era ever feeling like you're on the cusp of success, right? I would say last year going into that Colts game, people were like, That's we have a, we have a shot, I think and then it got that, decimated. And then and also going over. into, yeah, that was definitely one where you thought, okay, if they can beat the Colts, we may then have you, you might have something. Right, and then, and then they got destroyed and Stafford threw an interception where I went, what, what is the, happening? Yeah. Like he threw it right to the corner. He just yes. sat there and went, I can't believe he threw me the ball. Anyway, um, but no, I think that's going to be a big game though for sure. Plus, Lions-Packers usually is close. Mm-hmm. Usually. Usually. The, the division games like that are always intense. Yeah. Uh, week three, Chargers at Chiefs, Herbert versus Mahomes. I'm not adding all the duplicates. No, yeah. No, I, no, I'm no, just yeah, going right. to say, like, I'm yeah. excited for First both matchups. First time I see it in 2021. Yeah, so right. anytime I say it, I'm not adding the duplicate, very, but no, I'm very excited. Very interested to see what Herbert looks like year two. Very New scheme and everything, you know, how is that going to look? You know, do we see that sophomore slump or does he just continue on being mm-hmm. awesome? Uh, we got Packers at 49ers Sunday Night Football because you know Niners the 49ers will just run. Chops. Yeah, they're going to run all over them. What do you think Trey Lance plays this year? Give me a uh, week. Because the Niners could potentially start out. They could start out fast, right? Like they play us. That's probably a win. Um, there's a couple. You know, they, they definitely could start out quick where it's like, oh, Grapple's 5-1. You know? Yeah, I think, I think like week – 10 or 11 or so. Yeah. Probably. I think it takes like a bad, like one or two bad games where like, eh. Yeah. Like, I think, here's the thing. I think if they lose the Lions, I think they go, hmm, maybe we just yeah do it now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll happen. I, I, think, I don't think so. I think it's going to be like middle of the season at some okay. point. Okay. All right. Week four, I have these two pretty starred. So mm-hmm. Jags at Bengals, and you go Jags at Bengals. Burrow versus Lawrence. Burrow versus Lawrence. Yeah. Thursday night football, so technically prime time. Right. I, also, know, it's like rematch what else of Thursday? the 2019 yeah. uh, national, national championship, championship game. Yep. That's Lots the, of intrigue. There. A lot of intrigue if you're a college football fan. Yep. Probably not a lot of intrigue as like a, just an NFL fan. Joe Burrow and um, who's the receiver? Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase versus uh, Trevor Lawrence J- and Travis Etienne. Like you got a lot of good matchups from college there. Yeah. But if you're not a college guy, you're like I. Right, I don't really care. Yeah. yeah, but I'm adding that. I'm not gonna lie. I'll probably forget to watch that game. But yeah. it's okay. <laughs> and then I think I think this is the biggest game of the year, and this yep. is my number one most anticipated game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks at Patriots yeah. week four, and I just put enough said. I think I, there's like not enough to say about this one. Spoiler alert: I think the Bucks win by two scores. <laughs> yeah, they do, but like 
Brady going back into New England oh, yeah, for no, one game, gonna like be, it's going to be bonkers. Be paying attention for the handshake after that's not going to happen. Yes, because Belichick or one of them is just going to walk off the field without saying game to anybody. Like yeah. whoever wins that game is going to want to do like the <laughs> handshake. Yeah, and the other guys just going to be like, nope. nope. Yep, exactly. Uh, week five, I only put one game: Bills at Chiefs Sunday Night Football because AFC, AFC Championship, championship yep. game. Nothing else was really too good that week, though. Where um, the Bills are going to take a step back this year? I didn't really love their draft by any compare, you know, anything. So. They haven't really added anybody either. So yeah. it's like, okay, you're kind of running it back, but we we clearly saw you were not ready to, mm-hmm. to take that next step. So I'm interested to see what they look like this year. Yeah. Uh, week six, I got Cowboys at Patriots because it's just a big market matchup, but there wasn't too much on that. Well, week. you're going so to test that linebacking core that they just drafted because yeah. those two tight end sets that they're going to run. I mean, that's all Green linebacker nuts. coverage, so it's going to be it's going to be intense for sure. Week week seven, the one game I know if I text Rob, I know Rob will be watching this as close as possible. <laughs> Lions at Rams because of yeah. Stafford's return. Yeah, Stafford's return. Um, and to, oh, not return, but, but yeah, they're going to LA. But, but they're going. To I, LA, I do think but. it's going to be interesting for sure. You know, it's the one game where I'll be like, you know what, if the Lions take an L here. They probably deserve it, honestly, more than anything else. Like yeah. he gave you twelve years, and if um, they win, then they if go. they win, I go. Well, that. I'm happy. Yeah, you're like, how do I feel? <laughs> it depends on where they're at record-wise. Like, if they're old, like, if they haven't won a game yet, that is my number one concern going into this year. Is I don't want to be the first team to go 0 and 17. Not so, like, anymore. just win a game, and yeah. then after that, I'm like, okay, cool, because I don't mind having the first pick this year. That's fine, but at the same time, I just don't want to be the team to go 0 for. I ever since they went 0 and 16, I have had a death fear of like. Just win a game. After that, everything else after that, I'm like, yes. Yeah. But scary. But I think Stafford's going to throw for six gajillion yards that game. <laughs> week eight. Or that or he gets killed somehow. One of the two. Yeah. One of the two. Uh, week eight, I got Jaguars at Seahawks. No one probably cares, but it's one of my favorite teams versus Trevor Lawrence. So it's like, I love. It's going to be a good litmus test for sure. I'm still on the team, Seattle. I can't wait to do a little brick breakdown on some of these teams because – you know, some of these teams going into the year, I mean, there's a lot of question marks. Like, Seattle yeah. underachieved big time yeah. last year, losing to the Rams in the opening round of the playoffs. So it's like, there's a couple teams where I'm like, all right, what are you going to look like? Colts or another team. I'm like, what are you going to look like now? Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is there. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Packers at Chiefs week nine because oh, you're just God, getting quarterback, quarterback galore and this right is there. where everybody goes. This Packers defense is really good. And you go, is it though? Yeah. As they throw four. Oogles of yards. Yes. Kevin King's going to get burnt by actual speed instead of Scotty Miller speed. <laughs> and then the week after, week 10, you got Seahawks at Packers. So you just get back-to-back great quarterback matchups. And you also get Rams. Packers have a tough schedule. Packers do have year. a tough schedule. And it, and it's like lumped together like a, a lot of hard yeah. weeks in a row. Right. And with the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers, even if he's playing, yeah. I'm not going to throw like these are automatic wins mm-hmm. for the Packers either. Yep. And then you got Rams and 49ers same week because it's the first oh, yeah. of a Big time, like that. Big I love, time. I team. love those matchups. If there's another division I like watching, it's the um, West. It's the West because they're all because so competitive. They're all good. They're always and they're, the games are always like in at the end. Yeah, right? like you never see blowouts. Like no, it's just even like in uh, what is it the AFC North with like Baltimore? And yeah, those guys, right? We're like. Every once in a while you see a blowout, right? Where Baltimore yeah. blows out Pittsburgh. Or Pittsburgh blows out Cleveland. Yeah, the West is always competitive. But like that, that even even when they're bad, they're just bad together. It's weird. Yeah. But yeah. 
Uh, week 11, Cowboys at Chiefs. Big market matchup. The Ch- Oh, my gosh. The Chiefs, Chiefs are going to throw 50, for like 5 50. million yards. I think this is going to be a Mahomes revenge tour a little bit. And I'm really I'm, – I'm looking forward to it, but I'm yeah. not looking forward to it. The Chiefs have a it. really tough schedule. Yeah. And people are very confident. I'm like, the Chiefs could easily lose like five games I do. This I, year, think they, no I too, but I also think that they're, he is going to throw for yeah. – I mean, I don't want to say he's going to set new records, but I do think there's a legitimate chance that he they just go, you know what, we're going to go on this massive, like we're going to kill everybody to prove that we're still the best team. Yeah. Week 12, Thanksgiving. So I just put Thanksgiving with exclamation points because it's Thanksgiving, well, it's Thanksgiving game, Thanksgiving, so it's right? some fun yeah. football. Lions, Bears, I mean, we've seen it, I don't know, a gajillion and four times in our lifetime, and yeah. we're in our mid-20s, so um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rams at Packers, though, happened on that Sunday at Stafford oh. versus Packers. Oh, yeah. So Stafford's going to well, you know, do his thing. Game I will be watching. Yes. I'll probably have never watched more of another team yeah. <laughs> this year. Week 13, Chargers at Bengals because of Herbert versus Burrow. Yeah. Because that's because same draft class. Herbert well, gets picked third. There is like, an undercurrent, though, too. Like, you know, we're all talking about the Bradys and the Breeze and the Rodgers kind of hitting the end of their run yeah. here. It's easy to say Brady just won a Super Bowl. But um, that's the undercurrent, right, is, okay, we got these guys that are low-key, maybe you're going to show out here. You got Mahomes and Lamar, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're already kind of established. But, like, okay, you got Burrow. All right, is Trevor Lawrence going to be the guy, right? Is Everyone's really raving about Zach Wilson on rookie minicamp, which I don't know how you can do, but okay. Um, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. A lot of these guys really starting to kind of come up on maybe not major market teams where you go, uh-oh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Young kids are coming. Yeah. Uh, we skipped to week, what week is this? 16. Because there's a couple weeks in there that I just go, ah, there's nothing fun here. Right. It's all situational from oh, like absolutely. a couple of these weeks because there's some good teams, but like I don't care. Yeah. Uh, week 16, Jaguars at huh, the Jets yeah. because you get Zach, well, that's uh, Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson sure. because you see, all right, they're both going to be like three-win teams. What do you, what do you, yeah, who's the Jets are interesting because I'm like, man, Robert Sala is the coach, right? We were so hot and heavy on him here to come to Detroit. Do you think I that wish. they – I mean, do you think there's going to be a massive turnaround there? Like are they going to be Not a right surprise away. team? No, I don't think so either. I think – they're still. I think, they have so many draft picks yeah. in the next two years, though. Like they have a lot, a of, lot of draft picks. Yeah, no. So. Uh, I think I think Jacksonville could be like a low key shock because I think yeah. offensively they have so much firepower. That division's there. weird right now too, where like there's a lot of question marks in that division. Like yeah. Tennessee, like okay, like Tennessee's solid. Yeah, everyone else solid, is but weird. like okay, they're one Derrick Henry Derrick Henry injury away from being pretty garbage because that defense was terrible last yeah. year. So Colts. Great defense. Can Wentz reclaim it? And then um, let's see the other team I'm missing here. All the Texans are a dumpster fire. So yeah. take them completely out of it. So sorry. It's true though. Like, like let's be real here. Like, oh. <laughs> like uh, uh, as a Lions fan, I get having a team where you go, "What the hell is happening?" Yeah. But we've never had to where my best players got allegations up the yin yang. Like I remember when the Lions, like three Lions players, got busted for weed. Uh-huh. Like I think it was. Maybe Schwartz's last year here. It was right after Nick Fairley got drafted. And was like, oh my gosh, this team is so undisciplined. And I'm like, yeah, but no one's getting arrested for, yeah. you know, they just failed a, a weed test. It's not like we got people beating people and all, yeah. all their grossness. It's just, wow. Yeah. And then my last game here, which will also be a decimation, but it's going to be a fun decimation for me to watch. Lions at Seahawks, two favorite teams, and Seahawks are going to win by Ooh. like a jillion. 
Uh, yeah, I'm low-key hoping that the Lions have developed some sort of a pass rush at that point to beat up that crappy offensive line. Oh, you say they're crappy, and then they're going to be fine. So. <laughs> and Russ goes, no, seriously, now I want out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about Week 18? You got anything for Week 18? I mean, they're all just, like, yeah, rivalry games. So yeah, for sure. they're all Lions-Packers will be fun just because well, Lions-Packers will be fun, but it's like, okay, like I think Rams 49ers played the last week, so it's like oh. that'll probably be the flex game to the depending, Sunday night, or sure. depending on the uh, schedule and everything, but yeah. that that week is all okay. There's a lot of one o'clock games that don't matter, a lot of four o'clock games that don't matter, and the one game that yep. matters gets flexed to eight o'clock, and that's yep. the only game you need to for watch. Sure. At that point, we're all kind of exhausted anyway. We're like, we're just ready for the playoffs. Like, I'm tired of watching bad teams play. I just yeah. like yeah, the just last start. couple games are definitely going to be like because I know the Lions aren't going to be in the playoff on. If they are, I'll eat a shoe. But um, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm just kind of. Ready, like after I think we hit like I think two or three games after Thanksgiving, I'm like, all right, we know who the playoff teams are, let's let's wrap it up, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, So, um, but no, I think I lots of big games. You did a great job as always breaking that down. Really excited to go game by game, give our predictions, predict the Super Bowl because that's always fun. Um, we'll have to get Kyle on there to be our tiebreaker just in case, you know, (laughs) because. You'll say Jared Cook for everything. It's fine. Yeah, well, yeah. We need a shirt that just says that. Yeah, Jared, Jared Cook, Cook, primary free agent. Yeah, he'll go Chiefs <laughs> are seventeen and zero. Yeah, and everyone else, I don't care. Is what he'll say. Yeah, even yeah. though he's not a Chiefs fan, that's weird. He just he just has a weird. Listen, you, you told me the story where you went to a game with him against the Cowboys, and he had bolters, and he just kept taking it off depending on who was winning the game. So it's like he came over to my trust. We that we, were, we were watching the Super Bowl together, and yeah. he came with a Patrick Mahomes jersey and goes, "I'm not even rooting for them," and <laughs> took the jersey off. <laughs> Like, why am I wearing this? Yeah, he's like, what? yeah, like, I was, me and my dad were rooting for the Bucks to yeah. win. And then, like, they start, like, and it was, like, still 0-0. Zero, zero. Right. Like, he was rooting for the Bucks, And he goes, why am I wearing this? I don't even care about them. And, like, took the jersey off. Yeah, I think a lot of people were rooting for the Bucks low-key in that game. I think the, they're all kind of getting to where I think we're getting with Mahomes. Where it's like, I got it. Yeah. He's really awesome. But, like... He's not God either, yeah. so maybe we can. I just, it down I, I just hope that like he loses a few like AFC championships, so it's not like oh you're in the Super Bowl for the next twelve years in a row. Yeah, which like worries me because they're so explosive offensively that I'm yeah. like, there's a very good chance. Well, that here's the thing, though, they the go window to is now right because they're more you know they've done some things salary cap wise and everything else, but like the reality of it is is that speed doesn't last forever. Yeah, and so at some point. But he has the ability just to beat you with his arm, like yeah. no matter who he's throwing, he's throwing to. Like yeah. that's I'm not taking away his talent, but it makes things a hell of a lot easier when Tyree Kill is just faster than everybody else yeah. on the field, right? So very interesting to see that because this is the first time we've really seen them lose in a dominating fashion. So you know teams are immediately going to look and see how to stop. I mean, when the Lions did it to him, right? Well, the one good thing Patricia probably did here was they figured out a way to contain that mm-hmm. offense and New England. Went, we're gonna run with what Detroit did because that's the way that we can slow it down enough to where yeah. we can we can score enough points to win this AFC Championship game. Yeah. So very excited to see what they do. Um, um, you know, at any time really. So yeah. it's it's extremely exciting to see what they're gonna do. Um, from that perspective, his first really big loss where he didn't look comfortable. It wasn't his fault necessarily, but he didn't play well either. So exciting for sure. Um, that's gonna do it for this week's show, guys. Next week, I mean. 
Do we just talk about the NBA playoffs, Mike? Because you're super excited. Yeah, we, we are. We, are we going to yeah, do a whole gonna... 60 minutes of NBA playoff talk? Is that I what I'm mean, hearing? Uh, oh, no, I guess we're going to talk backlash. So that's going to be at five minutes for five minutes. We go. Nothing happened, and then <laughs> <laughs> then we go. Okay, so here's how LeBron's going to get there. Let me put it there. this way: heavy NBA playoff talk coming. Yeah, next I, I definitely week. forgot that too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely NBA playoff talk for sure. Pro- definitely going to review uh, WrestleMania backlash just in case anything crazy happens. Spoiler alert: it's not. Um, but anyway, no, definitely NBA playoff next week for sure. Um, that's probably going to be the primary source of our targeting for sure. Or if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, obviously that'll be yeah. big news as well. Here's what my promise will be to everybody is if yeah. Aaron Rodgers gets traded the night of, no matter what day it is, we're going to do a yeah, special yeah, quick we'll hit do a, on We'll it. do a quick hit or we'll do an immediate release yeah, on that. We'll do we, a, we have the capabilities yeah. to do it even remotely. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll zoom it. We'll do whatever it takes. Absolute, we will talk about oh it the gosh. night of. The day, the moment it happens, we're going to be the first ones on that. Yeah. Because, oh my goodness gracious, would that be... Wow. Talk about, like, that would be, without a doubt, the biggest trade in NFL history. Yeah, probably. Like, you never like not getting cut like Peyton got cut. Brady was a free agent. Yeah, to trade away the best player, arguably in football, plus or minus a couple guys. Yeah, would be wild. Oh my gosh, crazy! And mm-hmm. for the Packers of all teams to have to do that makes me so happy on the inside that I just feel happy and feel butterflies but anyway that's gonna be it for this week's show though next week be prepared NBA playoff talk WrestleMania backlash for sure if not other big things happen in the world of sports but as always for the Mystic Whaleman he's the Merck's own Mike Merkel I'm the mouth of Michigan Robin Dyka and we will see you guys as always next time